0: To Savvy, Booked, and Blessed, a podcast for bold female leaders making bold moves. I'm your host, Devon A. Thaxton, founder and CEO of ProSavvy Strategic Performance Agency. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed. Today we are here with Belinda Rosenbloom, CPA and profit strategist of Own Your Money. She helps busy female coaches and experts sustainably scale their revenue and profit by up-leveling their financial systems and strategies by stepping into the CEO role with her Signature Cash Flow CEO Accelerator program. She believes it's time female entrepreneurs feel worthy and safe with money, finally enjoying the freedom they started their business for in the first place, and consistently take home the money they want each month. It is possible. Belinda is also the co-author of Self-Worth to Net Worth, 12 Keys to Creating Wealth Inside and Out, and became a self-made millionaire at 33. If she's not inspiring you to be the best, to be your best self, Belinda is likely cycling around town or outside playing with her marathon-ready husband, newly college-graduated stepdaughter, and two-spirited young kids. Hi,
1: Belinda. Hi. Wow. I'm like, she sounds awesome. (laughs) She is awesome. That's you. <laughs> Thank you. I know. <laughs> it's that always funny, that. though, to be on the other side of that. Be like, yes, yes it is possible. Yeah, you're I, like, I agree. I did do that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. It. Love it. I'm super out here to have some fun. Yep. Yeah, I'm happy
0: you're on the show today to talk about not only you and your business, but also money and the importance of that and owning that and having control over that with your business, especially for female entrepreneurs. So I'm super excited to chat more about that. But before we jump into that part, tell us a little bit more about you and your business and your
1: journey here today. Okay, it's great to be here. I'm excited. And it's one of the things that I really liked about your approach and what you share here on the podcast is that it's not just the front stage, right? I think of it almost like you have the front stage and you have the backstage. And so much of the time it's like, we just look at the front stage and we're like, oh, they're doing amazing and it's looking so easy. And then it's like the backstage is actually, I used to be a complete money mess. (laughs) And now I figured it out and now I get to teach it. That's a spoiler of my, of my story here. I am a total recovering avoider. There was a time (laughs) when I was 28 and my dad had a stroke and I was the family CFO and I let all my bills pile up. And it was a mess. It was literally a mess. Like I was getting overdue notices and I was afraid I was going to get fired because I was a CPA. I was like at the depths of, of my situation because I just didn't want to face it. I was just really busy and I had so much shame and guilt around the position that I got myself in. And then I was like, either it can all own me or I can own it. Like literally I'm sitting there at my dining room table feeling like I'm stared down by three stacks of bills and mail. Like it had gotten really bad because I was on the road so much and I just didn't have the time to look at it. This is when I had a job. And then, but like I put on my big girl panties and I got help and I figured it out. And back then, not to date myself, but that was like 22 years ago. There were no coaches. There were no money coaches. We were not talking about it. There were no books. i like, I really had to search to find support on it. I had to phone a friend to literally help me open the mail. And so then that was when I was 28. Then by 33, though, I was a self-made millionaire. Like I, I figured it out. Oh, I was a CPA. I organized myself and it wasn't just the tactical stuff. It was the mindset. I had to get that I didn't have to be so afraid of money that like, even though money was painful growing up and I had all of these old stories and beliefs about it, there was another option for me. I could change that legacy. And then, so that was 33 and I'll say it's, it doesn't come with as much hoopla. It's almost like you feel like Ed McMahon should come to your door and be like, Hey, you're a millionaire now. It's like sitting there with your spreadsheet and you're like, Oh, okay. I did that. No, no confetti, no balloons. No, shocking, shocking. So that was 33 and then 35. I'm a total overachiever. And so I had my early mid, I had a midlife crisis, but I had it early at 35 instead of 45. Then I took off a year and a half. I lived, eat, pray, love. I literally went to India by myself and backpacked for a month. I went to Israel for a few weeks. I went to Costa Rica and I volunteered there for a month with underprivileged teens and a Spanish program. By the way, I knew no Spanish, but I figured it out and bought real estate there, like all the things. And then I turned down financial advising jobs in that time frame. And I just said, you know what? Like I don't want to just write a prescription for an asset allocation of where you should invest your money. I want to get to the source, almost like a financial therapist. Like, why are you making a hundred thousand dollars and you don't have anything to show for it? Or you have debt or you're stressed about money. And that's when Own Your Money was born back in 2007. My whole family and friends were super skeptical. They basically had an intervention for me after a few months. They were <laughs> like, Are you sure you want to leave corporate? Are you sure you can make this work? Then, when everything crashed in 2008, and I was one of the few people talking about financial stress and like, how do you get a hold of your money as a high earner and all those things, I was literally on the five o'clock news the day of the federal bailout in October 2008. And so then I was Own Your Money. For the first 12 years, I did a lot in personal finance. I wrote this book, the Self-Worth to Net Worth book. I had a radio show. I had a TV show actually in Boston. That was super fun. If you want a good laugh, go back and check some of my initial episodes. I was like so nervous when I first started, but I got better at it. And I did, I like did speeches, consulting, the whole bit. And then that was from like 2007 to really for 12 years, like 2019. I got to the point where I had the courses. I had the, actually, hold on, let's make one more quick pause. 2011, I got married and I really wanted to have kids. I was in my early forties. I got married at 39 and I still wanted to have kids. was having some trouble and a couple of miscarriages. And I was like, something needs to change. And I think one of the biggest things for female entrepreneurs is we have to learn to trust ourselves more and really listen. And there was a part of myself that said, you know what? I think I'm not able to follow through on this dream I have because I'm so afraid that this business I just built up for the last four or five years was just going to crumble if I couldn't like get on a plane and do the lunch keynote in Las Vegas. That was the world I was in at that time. Now in December, 2011, I decided to head into online courses and there was no Zoom. There was no (laughs) Kajabi. There was no Gific. There was no teach. None of that stuff was happening back then. I hired a business coach that at least had some experience with online courses to really help me. Totally freaked me out. I literally threw up at our VIP day, not on the table, but like in the bathroom. I was like so anxious about (laughs) this shift. And then December 11, I started creating courses, created, I launched one in February, delivered it in March, launched the next one in April, delivered it in May, published the book, delivered the next one in September, and then, or launched the next one in September, delivered in October, November. And I didn't have a lot of people. That's another thing. When you create courses, don't stress yourself out if you don't have a lot of people initially. Like I had 20 people for the first one, 20 people for the second one. I charged a lot less than I, like probably half what I ended up charging after the fact. I just wanted to get it recorded. And I knew that having people in it that I was really talking to not just trying to like talk to my computer would really motivate me to do it. I had an outline. (laughs) That's all I had when I sold the course and expertise, but I hadn't actually tried to do this before. And back then, by the way, again, dating myself here, I'm a bit of a dinosaur or pro, depending on how you look at it. But I, there was no Zoom. So it was all teleseminar. Like that's my only option. And it's pretty good recording. I basically figured out how to mute people, but it was like a little challenging. So we had 20 people, 20 people, and then 65 people because they figured out affiliates and how do you collaborate and how do you really talk about your messaging better. Sure. So then we had 100 people. So then I did a six month rolling group program, launched that in November, December, a date with Destiny with Tony Robbins. Day three, I take a pregnancy test and I'm pregnant with. The little one that is now our first born and he's now turning nine, but yeah. that was how I launched my online courses and launched my family in the same year. That's sort <laughs> of an important milestone. In yeah. Story. And then 13 had a baby, 14 got pregnant, 15 had my sec, our second at 41 and 43 years old for me. I was committed to my dream. And I think that's a big thing is that we can't let go of our dreams, even with our businesses and really find a way. How do we have our businesses support our dreams, support who we want to be in the world? And then 2016, I created a membership before it was like the sexy thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, though, by 2019, I felt like I had the suite. I had all the personal finance stuff. And what was really lighting me up was helping Female business owners, particularly experts and coaches, who have this expertise but never learned how to handle money, or right. even me, like with a accounting degree, top of my class, CPA, like all that. When I was in my second year of business, I had a business coach that was like, "Just focus on making money, focus on the revenue." And guess how much I netted that second year of business on one hundred fifty five thousand dollars of revenue. Oh man, I don't know, forty. It's not pretty. Everything else, everything was going to the team, the site, all the things. And everyone else was getting paid except for me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this, can I curse? Yeah. A little bit. I was like, this shit doesn't work. This is not sustainable. I'm leaving a $150,000 job to be in debt. This doesn't make any sense. And keep in mind, I like, I was already a self-made millionaire. I had a two-family house. Like other people were helping pay most of my mortgage so I could keep going, Sure, but it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't profitable. It wasn't really the life that I wanted. Yeah. So then year three, I figured it out and then I made 250 in revenue and hundred in profit essentially, Yeah, 56 and 96. And I made some important changes in that year. I reworked what my staff was doing because mm-hmm. I was just giving them like a blank check. Yeah. And then I was like, why? I was like, they're not going to necessarily self-manage themselves. Like I need to say to them, this is how many hours I want you to spend. And I think that is also a mistake that people make early on that they're like, okay, VA go work. I'll pay you hourly. Yeah, And, and sometimes it's like, we have to be real with ourselves in terms of the value of the dollars. Like we worked hard to earn the dollars. So we have to also be careful with where this where it's going, where this happening yeah. is. And I, I, hold on one second. And, but so I was having my assistant update my website almost every day because mm. I was in the news and I was doing all the things. Sure. And, and literally it was like Yahoo finance and I did TV a bunch, but like really, if I'm honest with myself, were people checking my website every day? Mm. Probably not. Those yeah. so that really the best use of my dollars for her. Sure. And this is back before you could just like pop into WordPress and update three things and you'd be all set. It's like PHP days, right? Where it was like, I couldn't update my own website and someone else had to do it. So the point here is that there's that like, we need to not just own the revenue goals that we have, but we also have to watch our, know our expenses so that we can also own the profit that we wanna create, right? Cause it's the profit that then is gonna help us set aside money for taxes and help us pay ourselves. Right. That's why I created the pay yourself calculator because like we're often not setting our revenue goals high enough to help us do the things that we wanna do with the money. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't set revenue goals because they don't want to be disappointed. They don't want to, they kind of figure well, if I don't set it, then if I m- miss it, it doesn't matter because I didn't ever really declare it. Sure. Yep. But then it's also, you have bow and arrow and you're like, where am I aiming it? I don't yeah, even have a target it a, put it yeah. over there. Oh wait, that wasn't what I meant to hit when the deer gets it. And it's, it's really such an opportunity that we have though, to set the right revenue goals for ourselves based on a vision that we have for our businesses, instead of trying to cram our life around our business, which is a lot of times what ends up happening. I really want to see us find a way to create the business that supports the life that we really want for ourselves, for our families. And, And I think a lot of my journey and my commitment to having a family and raising kids, who are now seven and almost nine, by the way, keep growing up on me. That 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 is, it's important to me. And a lot of our clients end up being folks that are have been trying to make this work and they're thinking like, okay, I'm ready to find a way to scale so that I can make more money so that I'm not just working hard for other people to get paid or to serve clients, but it's also paying me the way that I want. And it's not once you cross hundred K it's fixed. It's almost like (laughs) it just adds more zeros to your stress. You know what I mean? It makes it a little bit like, Oh, now I really have to figure it out. There's more on the line and now there's more people to pay and all that. If I'm not careful. Yeah. There's it's an interest. It's been an interesting journey for sure. When you're working, I'm curious the things that you said when you figured it
0: out, and I'm saying that in, in quotes because that's such a... Joke. We're still figuring it out. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. Like, settled. Every two years, I'm figuring yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. It's the, holy shit, what am I doing? The crisis, the angry cry, then the get, get it together. At least that's my pattern. <laughs> that's like my day. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> what were some mental shifts for you and practices that were like either... No more or more of whatever it was to help make a lot of those things clearer for you to make those changes for your life.
1: Yeah. I feel like there's always a mental shift that underlies that gets me from the breakdown to the breakthrough. Yeah. So whether it's like when I was 28 and I'm staring at the mail right? There was a shift there that had to happen that was like, no one's going to save me. I need to save myself. I can't, I don't want it. I'm successful in all these other areas of my life. Why am I letting money, like my own money, scare me? Why am I defaulting to this avoidance place? And then it was a matter of shifting to get, wait, I can own my money. Like I, now I can understand that's what I was doing. It was like, I, I can figure this out. I had to believe in myself. I had to get some help to get out of it. Cause once you get that far down the rabbit hole, you got to have a lot of letters and then they get more colorful and it gets scarier every time you open up another one. So then it gets more, you get more afraid. Yeah. But I just had to get that, that, that I can transfer my success in other areas into this area. It was that like moment of the growth mindset, where it's I don't know this yet, And getting myself out of the, I don't know this. I was deep in the, I don't have the time. I don't know how to handle this. And we had a lot. I think of it like we had eight bank accounts, like four credit cards. I was handling my, my, not my husband at the time, my father, all of his finances and all of my finances. And I own a two family house. So it was like eight bank accounts, four credit cards, two properties. You could have added a partridge in a pear tree and then it would have been complete. That kind of a feeling. Yeah. And so so I think that was an initial shift. I think that the, it was a big shift when I, when I went out on my own, mm-hmm. like that was a big deal because no one was doing what I wanted to do at the time. And it was turning down jobs is sometimes challenging, even as an entrepreneur, like sometimes we sometimes want to turn down clients, but we have to say no to the clients that aren't the right fit. And so at the time it was, had to turn down the jobs that weren't the right fit. And of course, like when you turn them down, they sweeten the deal. And you're like, you're not making this easier <laughs> for me. You know, like for the <laughs> advising company, that's like, oh, don't worry about the $40,000. We're going to have you pay us back. We'll just let you keep that. I was like, that's okay. I don't want to take that. But it was that moment of, you know what? If no one is doing the thing I want to do, I need to do it. And to, to tap into that. I think that the that moment a few years later when I had that angry cry, I was just like, what the heck? Like there that was a, I need to trust myself moment. Mm-hmm. I, I do know money when it comes to businesses and I need to start applying what I know and I need to start leveraging my dollars differently. And so that was when I I watched my, I was like, okay, assistant, you don't have 30 hours. You have 12 hours, 12 to 14 hours to do your job yeah. every time, every week. and And how can I hire another coach? So that it's not just my time, it's somebody else's time that I'm making money on as well. So it was like really getting to that point of, I can figure this out. Let me sit down and look at it. That not having the time is just complete BS because we have the time for the things that matter. I just mentioned you offline. Like I'm going through right now, a cancer, early breast cancer diagnosis. And I thought I was busy before. I had no idea. Now all of a sudden, like literally every day I'm talking to a nurse, getting a test, doing something. And what happens is when you don't have as much time, it, I actually encourage people to put constraints on their time. Because a lot of times we're working as much as we're working because we're giving ourselves a blank check, so to speak, to work. Because it's not doing anything else, I might as well work. So like I have a client, she's, I'm like, she felt like she was overworking. I could just sense it on the call. And I was like, when do you start work? And she was like, around 7 a.m. And I'm like, when do you finish work? And she was like, I only take a couple of breaks, but I probably don't really shut off until anywhere from like seven to nine, I was like, you're just, you have too many hours that you're giving to your business. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm fine. If you want to get up at seven and journal and plan and do things like that, and maybe set a timer of how long you're going to work on emails, but I don't want you working 12 hours Yeah, because then you're just taking up the space. There's something called Parkinson's law that basically says your work will expand to the time that you give it. Yeah. And so part of it was I had to realize that because I hadn't, Constrained my assistance time because I hadn't really said, wait, I need to make the time mm. for those other things that happened. And then now I find myself needing to constrain my time because, like, just this morning I had to have a, another COVID test because, like, pre surgery. And then 20 minutes ago, my surgery just got delayed. And so now that's going to be pushed out another three weeks. Now I'm going to need another COVID test. And so it's just like we think we're busy and then things happen in our life. And we're like, I guess I can make time. Yeah. And sometimes the things are amazing. I wrote an email once that was like, what if Oprah called you? You know what I mean? And, that's the, yeah. but like, my point is, if somebody big called you that you were even like dying to hang out and meet with, if they called, you would find a way. You'd yeah. drop everything. You'd reorganize. You'd give actually delegate stuff to your team instead of half delegating in and keeping too much of it on our <laughs> own plate, right? Yeah. Find a way to make it work. And that's how I'm feeling right now. It's like, i I just have less time to give to the business. So I have to either be more efficient, take it off my plate or not do it right. and be okay with it. Like just say no to opportunities that aren't a hell yes. And so I think that's been a mindset shift too, right. To really, and I'm still in this one full disclosure sure. is to surrender and to realize like the suffering is optional. I can choose to suffer through all of this and like, mm-hmm. why me? And why is this happening? Blah, blah, blah. Or I can just be like, I guess this is part of my life's path. I don't know why yet, but I have started to see how much more like Zen I am about what matters and what doesn't matter as much about helping my, my students to really create freedom-based businesses so that if they need to take off a week here and there, so if they need, if anything comes up in their life, that they feel like, yes, I have the spaciousness for that versus I'm overbooked. It's one thing to, to feel booked or to have a wait list. It's another thing to feel like overstressed because you're overbooked. Yeah. And is that a lot
0: of the work that you
1: work through with your students in the cash flow CEO?
0: Yeah. It's definitely
1: one of the things, right? So inside the program, I find that oftentimes in this space around money, there's the like Denise Duffield Thomas's and manifestation babe that are so on the mindset side. And then there's people totally on the, the tactical side that are like, this is how you do DIY your bookkeeping or something. But it's missing this crucial, like bringing it all together that says, who's the CEO you need to be that's going to run that multi six figure business that can see in three to five years, you're going to have the million dollar business. And and then what do we need to put into place to make that happen so that it combines the real clarity with your emotions, with your tactics, with your strategy, and with a support system. And to show you how all of those things really are necessary to create the sustainable, profitable business that you want Without you burning out, without sacrificing your sanity and your freedom in the process, because most of the time that's one of the key reasons why we're starting a business. Yet we feel trapped in the job that we've created for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, even that the key part.
0: Yeah, the earning potential. At least that that was a big reason of why I went on on my own was the earning potential and how it skyrocketed. <laughs> if I would have stayed where I was before yeah. climbing the ladder. Going, going through the spiral and hoping for raises and all of those things. And it
1: happened in, I don't know, an eighth of the time that I got to my business. Yeah, totally. That was touched briefly on in 2019 when I pivoted from personal finance to business finance. Yeah, It was because I was tired of telling professionals, go get a raise, do a side hustle. Yeah, Whereas my entrepreneurs, once they can really figure out these elements that I'm teaching, you can unleash an unlimited earning potential, but in, and turn it into earning power. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it just stays as earning potential, which is actually super frustrating. So it's like, how do we create something else instead? And uh, yeah, I just think that we never learn this stuff. Like we have our expertise and we're really good at that, but we never learn the business side and like the money side that is actually funding everything else. Yeah. Talk about earning power and earning potential, like the differences of those. Sure. Sure. We say like knowledge is power. You've heard that saying before. I think that's BS too. Like, I think that knowledge is potential power, right? Like you can know what to do, but so many of our students are like, oh, I took this course. I took this course. I'm in this membership. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing with it? Have you have you launched the program? Have you done the thing you want to do? And a lot of times they have 80 to 90% because they have a lot of the knowledge of it, but then it's like reading a book about swimming and then they get in the pool and they're like, this is different than the book that I read. It's kind of like that. I'm a swimmer, so I like swimming analogy, but that, that you're reading a book on biking and then you get on the bike and you're like, okay, so I'm clipped in. How do I get out? How do I clip out? You know what I mean? Or like, how do I stop? Or just, there's so many things that it's like, you can only learn so much Mm -hmm. in the course it in what you need to do, but that's all stays as potential, which can actually be really frustrating if you don't ever translate it into action, into doing something. And I call it like the new 90, 10 rule, because it's like, We've heard of the 80-20 rule, like Pareto's principle, right? 80% of what you do, yields 20% of your results, 20% of what you do, yields 80% of your results. But really, the 90-10 rule is the one that says you can have 90% that's working, but the 10% that you don't have dialed in, which hint is often related to the money side of things, that they're not understanding, that they're avoiding, that they're underpricing, that their your offer is a little bit off right? That 10% can take down the 90% that's working or just really like plateau you, get you stuck because you don't know how to then scale to that next level. And that's really where that power can come from. So that's another element of what comes out of cash flow CEO is how do you look for those blind spots and how do you own your own value and worthiness so that you don't fall into scope creep so that you can stop undercharging, right? So that you really are like, yes, I can do this. And I don't do it from like a, just double your rates. I don't actually agree with blanket statements like that because it's first about, are you getting results for people? What is the value? For some people it's double. For some people it's quadruple. Like It just depends on where you're at. I did a little side workshop called confidently, how to confidently raise your rates. Cause it's just a lot of times we don't know how to do it and we don't know how to do it confidently in terms of raising it, but it's not, we make a lot of mistakes in the process. And I really want them, you as the entrepreneur who's listening to really get that it's possible once you can articulate your value, Mm -hmm. people will pay. So I have a saying, I say people value what they pay for. And they pay for what they value. Okay. So start with the first part, right? People value what they pay for. If I pay $1,000 for a program, I will inherently value it more than when I paid $10 sure. for a program. And understandably, like we just are wrapping up our last cash flow CEO group. I'd say we had 80 to 90 to 100% on every lesson. Because they invested money in it and they wanted to be there. They wanted to get as much of the juice that I was delivering as they possibly could. Yeah. Whereas when I would run a free five-day challenge, you'll get 10 or 20% of the people that sign up ever come. But it's just look at our own behavior. Like, we're all like that too. I know I bought a $10 challenge that I never attended anything of, whereas... I attended, I'm in a program now that's almost $20,000. I attend almost every session that I get. And so that's the people value what they pay for. And we do them a disservice by undercharging because then they're undervaluing inherently. And then the second part of that is people value what they pay for and they pay for what they value. So part of it is also understanding that we need to be able to articulate what they Value how what they value matches what we value and what we provide the value that we provide in our programs and we can't expect them to know that we need to be able to show them how that really works yeah and and there that and there's a saying the rate the radio station that your prospects are always tuned into is WIFM what's in it for me and so we need to understand that there's always the perceived value that they have and we right. need to be able to communicate in a way that they can hear that our solution is the way that they can end their suffering of the problem that they're facing. And so those are really key in getting us from that potential to that power. Sure.
0: What is one just golden nugget that you would leave to any listener today besides joining a program by your book? <laughs> but
1: let's do. Just at my cash
0: flow CEO. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> besides, besides those two things, what is like one solid
1: nugget that you would give or give someone to take away today? It's a fantastic question. I think the key thing is to stop tolerating and feeling bad for what you never learned about money. Like I think that we hold it as an excuse. We feel a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of inadequacy around it. I was just on our cashless CEO call yesterday. And one woman was just saying, I want to make a lot of money. Like I have a big vision. I have a lot I need to do. But before I took this program, like I didn't understand how to do a revenue expense profit projection. Like I heard the languaging, but I just never understood what it meant. I didn't know the levers to pull and I felt like a victim to my money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I totally get that. I don't. It's funny to think that I was this is what she said. I it's it's funny to think that I was a victim to the sales coming in, but mm-hmm. I just made a job for myself. Yeah, And I want people to realize that they're probably doing that, that you may not be the CEO yet. And this woman, she was running a $300,000 business and yet she was feeling like she was in the, so much of the doing of it that she couldn't be the CEO, that she didn't understand the numbers well enough to figure out, was she pricing it right? And in that 90, 10 rule thing I was telling you about, she has incredible company, amazing team, amazing coaches but she had a three month package that she wasn't charging enough for. Mm -hmm. We transferred it to a six month package and raised the price. And now she'll probably raise it again. And now she's operating as the CEO. And she just started to make some changes to raise the prices. And she came on the call last week and she was like, I have $5,000 more in my bank account right now than I did before, like after we just ran all of the monthly charges. And she was like, I like this. I think it's like, we just tolerate it when we don't have it. And she right. was tolerating like not paying herself and being closer than she really wanted to break even. And I was like, we have to create more expansiveness and more cushion and more profit for you. And that's how we're going to pay you consistently. And she was like, you're right. Yeah. I'm going I'm to do it. So that's my word of wisdom is to stop tolerating. And the shame and guilt is real for us as business owners about where we're at and what we don't know. And I really want to inspire you and encourage you to shift from that cash-strapped solopreneur who doesn't know the levers to pull in their business to be your version of the confident cash flow CEO because you know your numbers and you can make decisions based on your numbers instead of just on the moment-to-moment bank balance that you have instead. Fabulous. I love that. If anyone wants to find you, connect with you, where can they do that? Sure. Best bet is Instagram. I'm at own your money on Instagram and you'll see me doing stories and funny reels. And I really do try and make money fun because it can be fun and it's fun when you have it. It's fun when you keep it. It's fun when you pay yourself. So I really look to, to bring that in to all the work that I do and then definitely grab that pay yourself calculator as a way to stay in touch with us, because that will really get you started to be able to set the right revenue goals, to make sure that you're paying yourself what you want now. And in the future, because you'd be amazed at how many, we think hundred K is like the Holy grail. It's actually hundred K. If you're either the main breadwinner or a key breadwinner, it's not enough actually to support the family. It's usually more like 300 to 500 that we want to create for you. So this is really the stepping stone to that.
0: Amazing. Thank you, Belinda, for being on the show. So great. Thank you.
1: Thanks for tuning in, everybody.
0: Yeah. thank you, you over on IG. Yeah. We'll see you guys on the next one. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Savvy Booked and Blessed. If you are a successful six to seven your female entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.prosavvyas.com-podcast slash yes. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media, Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and text it to a friend or post it on socials. If you know of someone that would be a great guest, go ahead and tag them in social media and let them know about the show and include hashtags, Savvy, Books, and blast. I love seeing your posts and I love your guests. We regularly put out new episodes of content. To make sure you don't miss out on any episodes, go ahead and subscribe give your thumbs up ratings and reviews they definitely go a long way to help promote the show it means a lot to invite thanks for listening we'll see you next time